In this episode of Lights, Camera, Transaction, Paul speaks with Jim Walker, the owner of The Bungalow in Newport Beach, and he discusses first getting involved in the restaurant industry, how he has been able to stay in the restaurant business for 20 years, and why keeping your business up to date can really help you in the long run. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Transaction. My name is Paul, I'm the host. With me today is special guest Chris McGregor, HG's very own Chris McGregor, and our guest, Jim Walker. Good morning. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Uh, So, Jim, I want you to um, definitely give the background of where you started and where you are today. you know, what I know of you, for those that don't know, is uh, your restaurant, The Bungalow, is a, really a staple here in town in Corona Del Mar. Um, and you've owned the restaurant for 20 years? Is that uh, right? Correct. Okay. Um, and you're also the first ever Newport Beach business person of the year, which is a great accomplishment. So, Thank you. Um, but I'd, I'd love for you to, for those that are watching and, and uh, listening, kind of take us through how you got involved in the restaurant business, um, maybe what led you to that point and how you've been able to stay in business for 20 years, which as a restaurant is a huge accomplishment. Well, I don't think you have enough time for me to tell you exactly uh, what got me into the restaurant business. Uh, Actually, I grew up in it, and my parents had restaurants um, in Los Angeles. I grew up in Hollywood. Um, Working with my family, I swore I'd never get in the restaurant business. Um, But as it turned out, by circumstances, I ended up uh, uh, starting out, uh, my first corporate job was with a company called Alfie's Restaurants, and I started out as a prep cook when I was 23, and then I uh, became a district supervisor and and just found that, you know, it was comfortable for me to be there. It's what I knew, uh, what I enjoyed, and it's really been my lifetime. I've done other things in my life, but I've always fallen back into the restaurant business and... Uh, um, what I've learned is to stay with what you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's been a long journey, but it's been a great journey for me to uh, continue. And uh, I don't know uh, at what point I'm going to stop because it's, it just kind of keeps me going. So. so when you decided, so at one point, and how old were you when you thought, you know, I don't want to be in the restaurant business? <laughs> was, it, was it just that you, you felt like you knew too much? You saw the, ba- the dark side of the restaurant business? Well, I think, you know, growing up in a family in the restaurant business, the demands are, uh, you know, uh, uh, such that somebody's got to be there all the time. And Mm -hmm. this is going back a number of years ago. So, you know, my dad would generally go in and open the restaurant and then I'd get home from school and my mom and I would go down. And so our family life, our whole life was in the restaurant. Um, I saw the stress that it put on on the family. And I just thought, you know... um, uh, I really wanted to try and do something else, but then uh, circumstances had it. Uh, uh, my dad got ill. I ended up taking over the family business, and mm-hmm. then I got married and I had kids, and it didn't leave room for me to do much of anything else. And so I uh, stuck with it, and it's been, you know, it's been a challenge, but by and large, it's been really good to me, mm-hmm. and it's given me a lot of uh, opportunities to travel throughout the country and and gain experiences um, that. Uh, um, have really uh, helped me um, uh, be successful in this business. Yeah, I think um, you know I've never owned a restaurant, but I've I've had the the 
fortunate of being able to, to work with and meet with thousands of restaurant owners. And I think what I generally take from those that are in the restaurant business is it's really, it, it's a labor of love, mm-hmm. um, more so than most other businesses, I think, because it, it kind of consumes your life from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. There's always something going on. There's so many moving parts. And the people that seem to really enjoy it and do well at it are people that they just want to have an impact on someone else's life, right? When somebody comes into your restaurant, you have an opportunity to make them smile. And that that feeling seems to be what really keeps people going at the end of the day. So that's that's what I've seen. And the people that tend to struggle are people that get in it for maybe the money or a different reason other than the labor of love. So, um, you know, I, when I think of, of um, your restaurant and how long it's been open, I would imagine that that's one of the reasons why you've been able to keep it open <clears throat> for so long. But, you know, in your opinion, what are some other reasons why you've been able to really ride things out? I mean, you went, you kept the restaurant open through the 2008 market crash, which is, you know, in business, I saw so many small businesses, medium-sized businesses going under left and right. Um, how have you been able to weather the storm and continue to, to really be a local staple? Well, I think that, you know, I try and tell my staff, we're not here to make money, we're here to make friends. And um, the point of that is, you know, m- making a profit is a result of um, um, how you treat your guests and how you create a base Mm -hmm. of regular loyal customers. And I think that's been through, you know, having a presence out on the floor. I've never made money in this business staying in my office. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you're engaging and you you talk to people on a personal level and you try and uh, get your staff to appreciate that and not profile people as to how much of a tip they're going to leave or... Uh, which servers have a tendency to do. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just have to have faith in the fact that uh, if you're putting out a good product and you are giving good service and you have a good um, uh, environment, that making, giving people recognition, uh, I think, uh, both on the customer side and on the employee side, uh, really uh, becomes your strongest um, um, uh, support function. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I don't, I can't take credit for myself. I've just been really lucky, like at the bungalow when I took it over 20 years ago. Uh, the staff that was there, most of them are still with me today, and uh, so we just celebrated our our 20-year um, bungalow group uh, that have survived over that course of time. But you know, they're the ones that are on the front lines every day, and they're the ones that have gotten out there and have their following and. The bungalows become known as, you know, as you said earlier, kind of a local place. Um, but I've also made it a point to get beyond the bungalow and get involved in the city mm-hmm. and in the surroundings and get to know, you know, um, because I find that, you know, you can't sit back and wait for people to come to you. Right. You've got to go out and meet people and, and take your brand with you. Mm-hmm. And I think once people get to know you, even though they haven't been in your business, if they if they feel a sense that uh, um, you're worth trying or you, you you bring something to the table, then hopefully you become a marketing entity 
you know, at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of the message I've tried to carry. That's fantastic. Something that we talked about earlier in the office, but is something that obviously for us being a technology organization, we're interested in always hearing your stories is about um, how technology has worked for you, mm -hmm. what you see as the future of technology for your organization, and you know what's the benefits. What are the you know what do you see as pitfalls as well um, in the technology space for restaurants today? I think you know as you and I were discussing, you know obviously being in the restaurant business from a point in time where servers actually wrote the order on checks and we had something called a wheel in the kitchen. <laughs> um, uh, and um, there was no, uh, there was just a cash register that you actually got cash. Uh, today's <laughs> environment, you know, cash is not, you know, the uh, predominant uh, vehicle of paying a bill. And much to a lot of people's surprise, restaurant owners uh, don't um, uh, pay for cash um, anymore because you can't because it represents less than one or two percent of you know the uh, transaction mm -hmm. so obviously credit card processing has become uh, a big factor but I think more than that the technology that has evolved now there are uh, so many uh, opportunities through technology to get analytics about your restaurant and about the customers that come in your restaurant that give you uh, uh, the opportunity to under, to know when it's somebody's birthday or their anniversary or to know, Absolutely. you know, what they order when they come in. Yeah. And this only goes to my point earlier is the better you know your customer, the better opportunity you have to please them and to accommodate them. And I think that, uh, you know, the technology is also very helpful in controlling uh, the cost of your operation, making it more efficient being able to see a red flag when, you know, uh, something's out of line. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate what technology is bringing to our industry. Yeah. The downside of technology, I think, is, um, it, it, you know, it's that saying, um, you know, what's that saying? Being paralyzed by, you know, analyzing too mm -hmm. much. And I think if you spend too much time analyzing, because there's, there is a lot that you can get out of it, but you have to be selective. Yeah, as paralysis to by analysis, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was actually, that's funny you said that. In my mind, I was gonna ask you, I was thinking, with all of the technology out there, because you know, even five, 10 years ago, it was nothing like it is today. It's just, it's growing so fast. Right. Um, and especially in our businesses, what we're seeing is everybody's moving from more traditional legacy platforms and putting everything in the cloud. Um, with that comes all of these new companies and startups and everybody has a little different spin on things. I mean, even with payments in our business, we see new companies all the time trying to change the way people pay at restaurants, um, getting, you know, paying bills from your phone and I mean, the list goes on and on and on. How do you choose which technology to entertain, to implement? Um, you know, what is your process that you that you try to go through before thinking about changing anything from a technology standpoint in the restaurant? Because truthfully, you could hire somebody full time to just vet and implement new solutions and then analyze the data as a result of it if you really wanted to. You know, and that's a good question. And frankly, I think it's kind of hard to answer because, you know, the restaurant business on a daily basis is a moving target. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you said earlier, you know, people that run restaurants it's not just, you know, greeting guests and, you know, the glad handing, which I think a lot of people 
look at the restaurant business that aren't in it as a very glamorous business. You know, all we do is sit back and make money and make friends. But, you know, when you go in and your day starts and um, the um, um, sewers are backed up or there's a leak on the roof or there's, you know, and when you're an independent guy, you know, you're the guy that's going to go up there and fix it or yeah. you're going to find somebody to fix it. And so whatever your agenda was that day just suddenly got changed. Mm -hmm. And so I think that trying to choose, you know, to your question, what analytics are important and how you would determine is really based upon the, the type of restaurant you have, mm -hmm. um, you know, where you're located. For example, I was thinking about this before I came today because I just saw the numbers, but, you know, we have a location in Brea okay. and our other restaurant. And it's a bigger restaurant uh, compared to the bungalow, um, but we spend three times as much money on advertising at the bungalow as we do for the restaurant in Brea. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because Newport Beach is much more competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, as we talked, over 400 food service facilities in Newport Beach. In the Brea location, I couldn't tell you how many they have, but we don't, we don't appear to have to spend that kind of marketing. So. When you're talking about marketing, I think that's the other thing that comes to play from technology. You know, obviously, um, you know, marketing now has gone uh, to the internet, and um, and we outsource that. Mm -hmm. But what exactly are you trying to market? And I think you have to understand what your brand is and what you're what you're trying what message you want to send mm -hmm. to the people that you're trying to encourage to come to your restaurant mm -hmm. and so through the analytics that you're able to um, gather that profile your guest you look at your sales mix you look at the things that sell the things that don't sell you watch what's going on within your community you know for example right now I'm, I'm kind of on my staff at the bungalow to put avocado toast on the menu. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it's a popular item, <laughs> right? And it's, so it's, it's a hot item. Everybody and then, wants it. You know, I, I won't mention the name of the restaurant, but you know, I think part of the of the fun of the restaurant business is we all take ideas from each other. Mm -hmm. And then we may modify those ideas to fit our needs. Yes. But the part of the restaurant business I think that I enjoy the most is the challenge of trying to find what works. You know, it's, and I, I'm always reminded of Edison. I always thought Edison had a great saying that um, when he had a failure, that was a process of elimination to him. It wasn't a failure. It's like, well, that doesn't work. You try something I love else. That. And that's really, I think, in so many ways, what our business is about is that, you know, you try, like right now, I came across this thing called a smoker. I don't know if you've seen it. But it's a cocktail smoker, and it comes in this little glass box. I don't think I've seen it. Have and you? No. I've had so, drinks, but they literally light things on fire on the bar. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. And Wait, so, where's where's, where's I mean, this restaurant? That was you know, in Chicago. This, That's this, a this, and, and then, you know, I've actually learned a lot of this from my oldest daughter, and she'd be more than happy to know that I said that. But she's much more of a foodie than I am. And yeah. so I'm, I'm finding out through her that there's... Um, you know, in the younger, the millennials, and, and even in uh, older than that. Mm -hmm. But when they look at a restaurant, they want to know what kind of drink program you have. Yes. And I thought, what do you mean drink program? You know, we have drinks. What more kind of a program do you want? And so, you know, there's craftsman-style drinks. There's, you know, all, and now there's drinks, I think it's called sessions, 
that are drinks that have less alcoholic content. Yes, yes. So now I'm, I'm finding this whole, you know, um, different category. And so this box, we're going to try it at the bungalow, is uh, it has a, a little um, starter, and you can put in a different type of wood chip, like mesquite or oak, and then you put the drink inside the box, you light this thing, and it fills with smoke, and the smoke is infused into the bourbon. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, why would we want to do that? Why? Because it's an attention-getter. It's something that when you put it on the bar, people are going to say, what's that? You know, and you know, I, I think back years ago, I was uh, vice president of El Torito, and it was about the time that fajitas really became such a popular item. And the reason they became popular is when you walk through the dining room with a sizzling platter, or I remember being in a restaurant in Acapulco, or in, um, um, I'll say Acapulco. Um, Somewhere over there. Somewhere over there. And they served cotton candy for dessert. And they did a great job. And to me, you know, so much of our business is selling the sizzle. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so if you can create something that people are going to go, gee, what's that? I want one of those. I think that's, you know, the avenue you you should take. Yeah, Yeah, I, I... You know, I I think kind of getting back to my earlier question about how you've been able to stay around as long as you have been and and continue to thrive is because you're also looking at what do our customers want? What are the current trends? What are people expecting from a restaurant? And I think that's true in in every business. You know, you look at at even grocery stores today aren't what they were 20 years ago. Um, You know, our business, I've been in, in this industry for 20 years. When I first started, uh, I was only focused on the payment side of things because, you know, there were just a handful of point of sale systems that every restaurant chose. Um, and as time went on, my clients cared less and less about payments. They said, look, everybody does this and everybody charges roughly the same amount, but this is where we need help. We need help on the point of sale side. So I drastically shifted my business and my focus um, because of what my customers wanted. And I think if you can do that and constantly look for what is the edge you know how can i get ahead of myself and stay innovative uh, that's what's going to keep you around for the long haul where what we tend to see um, from our clients that unfortunately go out of business are people that said you know what things are good right now and i'm not going to change a thing and i'm just going to let them sit there and maybe they will be good for the next two or three years but not in five to seven years you can only rest for so long before somebody else gets the attention and especially to get to stay open for 20 years, you need customers to come back. And if they're going to get the same exact experience year after year after year and nothing changes, they're just going to get tired. No, and you're right. And, you know, at the bungalow, we're just finally, it's been, it's taken a while, but it's taken a lot of money. Um, I also feel that you've got to upgrade your environment yes. as time goes by. And you've got to do that every five to seven years. Yes. And so we have, we're on the verge of, putting almost 200000 into the bungalow in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, we redid the patio, we redid our downstairs dining room, and I'm currently trying to finish the main dining room and the restrooms. Mm-hmm. Because what I found, we did a um, customer profile, not a customer profile, but we, we um, when we started this, I, I felt that there were two things that we needed, more than two. One was we didn't have a mission statement or a brand statement in our restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to have both of those as uh, a core um, platform for your staff 
and a promise to your guest. And so we spent a lot of time creating that. But the other thing I did is I knew it was time for us to upgrade the bungalow. And before I stepped into that venture, I didn't want to do it from my point of view mm -hmm. or my staff's point of view right. because we've been there too long. So we invited about, I think, 25 people from a cross-section of our customer base to come in and give us their ideas, what they wanted out of what they wanted out of a restaurant, what restaurants they went to and why did they go there, what did they like and dislike about the bungalow, what changes would they like to see. And we tried to make them part of our movement and use their ideas and keep them informed. And, um, and once we're done, we plan to bring them all back and say, okay, this is what you suggested, this is what we've done. And I think it's important, and I think probably where a lot of restaurant people um, lose that um, direction is they take it upon themselves to do what they like, mm -hmm. what feels good to them. You know, I've learned that what I like isn't necessarily what my guests like. And I've also learned that the best place for me to find out what people don't like is to stand by my dishwasher and watch what's coming back and what's left on the plate. Smart. And that tells me, you know, we need to change the mashed potatoes. Or yep. we need, you know. So all of these <coughs> things collectively, I think, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, and we've, and, and what's happened is since we redid the patio, and we redid the downstairs. At first, the regular customers going, "Oh, what are you doing?" You know, and I got backlash from my staff. Now the patios become the most popular place in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. The downstairs, we completely took out all the booths because it wasn't efficient. And so now the downstairs, we put in all two tops. And the reason I did that is because of the flexibility that a two top gives you. So mm -hmm. now I get more business meetings down there. I get more, you know. Um, um, you know, uh, uh, birthday parties and what have you, because sure. we can accommodate more people comfortably in that environment. And I changed it from a craftsman-style bungalow to a beach-style bungalow. So the craftsman-style is upstairs in our main dining mm -hmm. room, and the beach bungalow is the patio and the downstairs. And so that was the input that I had. And the other thing I found, too, is it was always frustrating to me that people would view the bungalow as expensive. And I'm going, we're less expensive than Fleming's. We're less expensive, you know. But then I realized what they determined value wasn't just the food. It was the look of the restaurant. It was the environment. And if you don't create an environment that will justify your price, you're going to be, um, in the view of your guest, shortchanging them. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. the challenge is, is you've got to balance what you charge and what you provide with what you are. And so that's what we're attempting to do. And it's, you know, you've got to invest back into it. And I think a lot of restaurant people are reluctant to do that because, of course, they don't want to spend the money. But if you're planning on selling, great. But if you're planning on being there for a while, you know, yeah. it's, it's a necessary <laughs> evil. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say it's absolutely true. Restaurants and any business, right? If you don't find the customer to be and the wants and needs of the customer to be the North Star, then there's really no opportunity for the future. If you, especially if you live in a vacuum of like Paul was saying earlier, if you're looking backwards and saying this is what worked and this is what's going to I'm going to stick with, 
it's changing every day. Like mm -hmm. you said, if you don't have avocado toast and Brussels sprouts on your menu, you're, you're not cool anymore. Right. But or a mixologist. Yeah. Or a mixologist. Right. Or but, an isologist. Yeah. Or <laughs> but a year from now, that will be different. Oh, sure. You know, now it'll be asparagus is cool again where it was in 1991. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's always those issues of trying to catch up. Um, you know, what we look at is, even in our own business, it's sometimes it's about knowing what your customer wants or it's about what customers need. Um, and then it's, then it's an education. Of course, in the industry of restaurants, it fails. You don't really know what they need yet, aside from sustenance and a good price. Um, but sometimes they need a really good photo shoot for their, for their Instagram, you know I mean? And if right. there's not a good background or an, an environment that they're excited to take a picture in, then they're likely not to post for you. Well, and, and I think, you know, to your point, your website becomes in increasingly more important how you present your restaurant and what, you know, what things you've included in that website. And if you make it too complicated, that's a problem. But, you know, that website is in today's world for someone that has not been to your restaurant before, that's their first introduction. Yeah. And if you don't sell them there, then it's very unlikely you're going to see them at all. Yeah. Um, you know, the other is um, obviously Yelp and, and all of these different sites that are out there. But um, um, sending the right message um, and getting people intrigued, that's why, you know, doing this drink, to me, it's, it's part of the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like I told... Um, my staff the other day we have a, a meeting Monday a market or Thursday a marketing meeting is anybody can sell in New York you know New York's are on the menu everywhere but if you took a New York and you said we're putting a smoked uh, Johnny Walker bourbon uh, sauce on top of this New York along with you know now you've created a whole different yeah. vision of what you're going to get oh, yeah. and I think intrigue yeah. is part of what we do and that's do. that creativity that right. you, you really need to have some innovative idea somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. Even if it's imitating someone else that's done it, it's okay to follow success, but it's not okay to, to be stuck in success. You know, and, that's, and there's a different attitude about that. Well, I think about, you know, you talk about restaurants and the fact that we've been there for 20 years. My, one of my greatest fears is I don't want to go the way of restaurants that I've seen that haven't kept up with the times. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, at one point, they were iconic. They were great restaurants, but they're no longer here because they didn't change, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they didn't realize that, you know, time moves on. Yes. And yes. so, you know, you've got to keep up with that. Um, so I know, um, and, and we'll finish with this, I know you're, you uh, and your wife are very involved in the local community and different organizations. Um, tell us about the groups that you're involved with, how you're involved, and where people can find them, and what should they know about them? Well, I'm involved in, um, obviously, the Newport Beach Restaurant Association. I've been past chair of the Newport Beach uh, Chamber of Commerce. I was also uh, treasurer of the Corona Del Mar Chamber of Commerce. I've been on the Corona Del Mar Business Improvement District, and what did I leave out? I know, probably <laughs> a number of other things. But having said that, each one of them brought something different to the table. You know, one, um, the Newport Chamber is an example. The Newport Chamber is a much greater diverse chamber than the CDM Chamber. And uh, through that, I'm also a part of the Commodores. And it gives you an opportunity to go to mixers to, like I said, take your message to the community. Um, 
the CDM chamber is a smaller group of uh, more local people that, you know, obviously the proximity of the bungalow is pretty close to where most of the uh, activities takes place, but being involved in Christmas walk, being supportive of, of the chambers. I worked out a deal with the Newport Chamber where for every new member they bring in, we give them a gift certificate to the bungalow. So it's a win-win because mm -hmm. now the chamber has something to offer a new member. People that renew their memberships get a gift certificate. What does that do for us? It's an easy way to market. You know, when we're marketing to maybe a new person that's coming to the community or even an existing, but the cost of getting somebody in your front door in today's world is, is pretty high. And hopefully, you know, it's like restaurant week. We just completed restaurant yep. week. Mm -hmm. So that's the Newport Beach Restaurant Association. We had a great restaurant week. We put out what I thought was a great menu. I don't look at restaurant week as a money-making entity. Yeah. I look at it as an opportunity to get a three-dimensional marketing experience to somebody that's not been to my restaurant. And if I can recapture a good percentage of those people that come and I get them back again, then it's a win. Um, the um, Being on part of the bid, the Business Improvement District, it took me, just not me alone, but the bid, 16 years to ultimately get that outside dining that we have in front of our restaurant. Was it worth the time and effort? Yeah, I mean, it had nine lives, but now hmm. it's not just myself, but uh, Ross Childs, The Bungalow, and um, El Ranchito uh, have created a really nice street environment for the community. We've made it dog friendly. So now, you know, we have a whole another uh, element of people that appreciate the fact. And during um, Christmas walk, it becomes insane out there, but it, it's fun. And so I think these are the things that as you get involved in the community, you learn about the community and you see what things you can react to and conversely, the community learns about you. Mm -hmm. And you establish a relationship. We also do something for a group called Speak Up Newport, which is um, a, a grassroots community in Newport Beach, which my wife is very involved in that does scholarships for all of the local high schools. And every month they put on a, a guest speaker. It's generally a controversial. So we cater that. We provide the food. I can't tell you, you know, how much good feedback. And now they've accredited us with getting uh, a greater participation because people come and like the food and they could care, I won't say they care less about the speaker, but they come for the food sure, for sure. sure. But those are the kinds of things I think, you know, uh, you've got to be invested in. When we took over the Brea store, one of the first things I did was become a board member of the Brea Chamber of Commerce. And I try and spend as much time up there to create a relationship with the community. Mm -hmm. And I think wherever you are in business, and this is where I see you know, corporate business fail. You know, the corporate restaurants in Newport Beach don't give back to Newport Beach. They don't participate in a lot of the functions in Newport Beach, and yet they're busy. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it, to me, the gratification is the relationships that I've built and the people that I've gotten to know. And, and you know, you ask, what's the reward? The reward is knowing that through a day or a busy meal period that you can walk away and feel that you've satisfied a customer 
and they walk out of your establishment with uh, a good feeling and feeling that you know they had a good meal or they had good service or all of the above. And I, and I think running a restaurant and orchestrating all that it takes to accomplish that is a real challenge. So, Awesome. Jim, appreciate your time. Hey, really appreciate you being on the show and sharing all these nuggets of wisdom, (laughs) which is awesome. Um, For anybody that comes to Corona Del Mar, please visit the bungalow. The the patio you've been talking about is right on the Pacific Coast Highway and you're maybe a five minute walk to the ocean. If you walk fast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, got, you have a tailwind, you can get there. Yeah. And we'll make sure in our notes, we'll put up links to your restaurant and oh, all great. these organizations that you, you mentioned. Appreciate and, it. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks for, for sitting by my side today. It's been Chris. fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. A thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you. Wah, 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 wah,